0: on this week's episode we host the pitch manager of as monaco football club mr paul burgess this was such an awesome episode with such an incredible person someone who has been a real innovator in the sports field management industry having such an impact uh, from different things, from being the first individual to have uh, artificial lighting on his ma- on his field, um, seeing that sort of crow through Europe and now in the United States become a really uh, well-known management practice, um, to the development of one of probably the most innovative pitches when it comes to Real Madrid being installing a brand new pitch. That actually is controlled and an environment that is 100% operated and, again, controlled by the pitch manager. Um, Built in a 150-feet ground hole in the stadium. And it's just, it's it's such an awesome episode. Uh, You can really see how passionate he's about this industry and what he has done for it. Um, And really, just moving forward, everything he continues to do. Um, so this is definitely an episode you do not want to miss, uh, Paul, I can't thank you enough, uh, for everything. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Utah. Um, and just really, it's going to be an awesome time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Tiger Turf Talk. morning and good afternoon, obviously. And, uh, is it, uh, France right now?
1: Yes, but well, Monaco actually Monaco. Is, uh,
0: I keep messing that up. You just don't. The, the second smallest
1: country in
0: the world. Gotcha. Uh, um, so welcome to the 85th episode. Uh, we have an incredible guest today. We have Mr. Paul Burgess, the pitch manager of AS Monaco football club. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Is it morning where you are? Is it
0: evening? Yeah, yeah. So it's ten AM right now. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's not too far off, but I I mean I've had worse time differences. But uh yeah, no, I uh it's I've always been like I mean, in all of your career and what you've done, um obviously being in uh England, then uh Real Madrid, uh then a consultant now in Monaco. Um it's incredible to see sort of the growth of your career. Um, what has it been like for you, sort of making these big, again, steps? Like you're already at the top of the top and then you move on to the next thing and just keep growing and growing. What has that been like for you uh, and the reasoning sort of behind taking those next steps in your career?
1: Okay. Um, well, I'll start with that one. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but basically, um, my career is. Was- has progressed very, very well and um, always on an upwards um, um, direction. And, and um, yeah, no, it's been great. It, it, it's only uh, last week or two weeks ago now, I, I was invited to my former college, college and university to uh, receive an honorary fellowship and, and, um, and the principal um, invited me onto the stage. I was wearing a silly hat and cape and, and um, didn't suit me very well. But um, I, had to, I had to stand there for about six minutes while, while she spoke about my uh, career. And it's only when she spoke and, and she said all, a lot of the things that I'd um, achieved in my career to date where you're like, oh, God, did I do all that? And it, I can – so I didn't really – you just – Continue, you don't kind of like look backwards. I'm just looking forwards all the time. And um, I'm always looking at how I can uh, make a difference and, and do new things and, and uh, new challenges. And, and um, yeah, and uh, so initially I I, went, I worked for my local soccer team uh, where I grew up in Blackpool. I then applied for a job um, at Arsenal Football Club in London, which is a Premier League team. Um, where I quickly got promoted to head groundsman uh, due to um, uh, the club creating a new uh, training complex and the, and the, the head groundsman moving to the training complex. Uh, so that was like a bit of right place at the right time. Um, but at the same time, they had confidence to give me the job because I was obviously doing a, a reasonable job at the time. Um, and then not so long after that, I got asked to be a consultant for UEFA, which is the Governing body for European soccer, um, just basically, obviously, various tournaments around Europe and various finals. Um, and then um, the club, Arsenal Football Club in London, they built a new stadium, uh, the Emirates Stadium, a new sixty thousand seat stadium. So I was very involved in the in the design from from, from zero to it being finished. Not only. Involved in the pitch design, but also involved in the uh, the shape of the roof, the shape of the seating bowl, uh, positioning of the big screens, the, the publicity boards, the surrounds of the pitch, the pitch access, the storages, etc., etc. Anything and everything that has had any impact on the pitch, whether it be from shade, from airflow, from access, uh, I had total control over that, or, or a very very. Influential control, and then uh, f- three years into the new stadium being operational, um, I then got headhunted to go to uh, Real Madrid f- uh, Football Club, which is the-, the biggest soccer team in the world. Um, where I started there in two thousand and nine, and historically the stadium was very very poor, uh, so we had to fix the uh, stadium. And they, they thought the training facility was pretty good, but it wasn't good. It was just good compared to what they had in the stadium. So the priority to start with was to fix the stadium surface. And by doing so, that kind of um, showed up the cracks, that the cracks started to appear in the training facility. And they could see that they had to make some uh, pretty big investments there too. So we, transfer, we, we basically transformed the training facility into probably the best or one of the best sports complexes in the world. Um, And I'm pretty, pretty proud of of what we did there. Um, And then after about nine years there, they gave me, promoted me to be a director of the club. And uh, they also gave me the responsibility for the uh, environmental um, policies within the organization as well, which was a bit of a, a reward really, really for what I was doing in my own department um with uh, we're using a lot of electrical machinery we went away from we went away from fungicides and pesticides and started using various microbial products and and just using better turf management techniques to make sure the um the grass was in the healthiest strongest position to to cope with with whatever uh was thrown its way um we also uh, we're using like UV lights and a few other things as well. Um, just going back to the Arsenal days, I, I was the first person to actually buy grow lights to treat a whole football pitch as well, uh, which now obviously is quite common. Even in the US now, there's quite a lot of stadiums with, with this. Um, we also, when we fixed the pitch in the, in the Real Madrid Stadium, uh, it gave them then confidence to exploit the pitch for uh, non soccer events. So we came up with a strategy, which allowed them to have three months of events per year, and basically increase revenue uh, inside the club massively, as well as reducing the injuries by about forty percent as well. Which, when players are on half a million dollars a week, uh, it's quite big money. When you know uh, you've got five or six of them on a on a on a bed in the physio's room. So, um, so was some of the things we we did there, and then basically. In my last two years there, we started to develop, um, they're going to renovate the existing stadium, spending $1 billion uh, renovating the stadium. Um, And I came up with a a pitch design for them, uh, which basically, um, one day I was at at home and um, I was thinking about how stadiums around the world operate, including in the US, including in Asia and the pitch basically dictates how you use the stadium and, and um, in a soccer, in a soccer stadium, for example, we use the stadium 25 to 30 days per year for soccer. So we were basically the 30 days per year was dictating how that stadium was exploited uh, the rest of the year. And um, so I, I started to think, how can we, how can we deal with this? And, and what, What's quite common around the world is you either you slide the pitch out so you can have a concert if you've got a retractable pitch, like for example in Phoenix, um, or you uh, you have a concert and then you just uh, resod uh, the pitch, which happens in Philadelphia and Miami and um, various other places as well, and or, or you have an artificial surface like in in Dallas or in Minnesota, which. Um, a lot of the players are obviously uh, not big fans of Um, so they were basically the three strategies so so I started to think why take um, the grass out for an event, why don't we bring the grass in for soccer so rather than take it out 300 times we bring it in 25 times and that simple very simple mindset it's taken 100 years to, uh, to um, and it, it took me uh, like a, some stupid guy from England to actually uh, say to the world, what are you doing? Why, why are we doing this? Why, surely there's um, a better way to do this. So I came up with um, a design where the pitch um, was basically split into six pieces, um, roughly – um around 12, 13 yards wide by 120 yards uh long, um, uh, six pieces, and each piece basically sits on top of the next piece, like in a like a, like a multi-story car park, um, with space in between, roughly around seven foot uh between each uh, tray. Um and It it was like basically a vertical farm, and um, by doing so, um, by investing in the right technology, uh, we could basically create create any growing environment we wanted. If we wanted sun, we press the sun button. We wanted rain, we press the rain button. We want the wind, wind we press the wind button. And I didn't have a design for snow, but I had a design for for pretty much every other element uh you could think of in like humidity and and uh, airflow etc and and um uh, soil moisture, air temperature, soil temperature, so on and so on. And our jobs right now, every turf um groundskeeper or superintendent around the world basically um reacts to whatever God throws at him. Uh, if if he throws lots of sun we chuck loads of water on if he if it throws lots of rain, we get the aerators out, et cetera, et cetera. And with this design, basically, I was going to be God. Um, I could decide whether, whether we were going to water the pitch or whether we were going to have a sunny day, a rainy day, a windy day. Or like in Britain, we could have all three in the same day. So this was the, the idea. And it was quite an expensive idea, roughly around $125 million. Um, And I went to see the president of uh, Real Madrid, Florentino Perez, and I said to him, hey, can I have $125 million? Um, And then he he kind of laughed. And then I said to him, I will give you $300 million back per year. So I'll give you your money back in six months. And then he stopped laughing and he said, what? And then his uh, little cog started to turn around in his mind. And uh, I explained to him my, um, my idea, and uh, then they started to scrutinise my idea a little bit, like they were saying, what about the joints between, between the, uh, the trains? So, for example, there's going to be, there'll be five joints on the playing surface. Well, I said, well, right now, uh, we have 400 joints, and you never once have said to me, oh, what about the joints? So we're going to change 400 joints into five. So I think that, that problem can be uh, ticked off. So we, we, um, we satisfied that problem and a few other problems and so on and so on. And then basically, um, some of the directors around the president started to get a little bit jealous about my, uh, my power, should we say, in this moment in the project. And started to interfere a little bit with the project and, and they were scrutinizing everything we were doing because for example, every, every free, free feet that we went down into the, into the ground was a million dollars. Um, and I, I wanted to go basically 115 feet down. So, uh, I w- it was just basically $40 million just to dig a hole. Um, so, uh, so they were like scrutinising and everything, and obviously the minute you start um reducing the uh the hole it means you have less working space, but then also you have you have to increase the amount of lighting you need because the 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 light pattern is is less so if every time they thought they were being clever and fixed a problem they're actually creating creating one and and um and then COVID happened and, uh, and then all our meetings went to Zoom, like our little meeting we're having right now. And um, a guy from England trying to have a strong conversation in Spanish across Zoom uh, wasn't far from ideal. And, um, and in the end, things were starting to go out of my control and the, the project was all, was all about control, control, control. And the minute you lose control uh, is the minute where you uh, you're putting the pitch at risk and um this um the minute the minute you have to you're put in the system at really ri- you putting the pitch at risk then all of a sudden you're, you're hold you're governor tina tur tina Turner con- concert to to bait um which is there to fund football not to not to sacrifice football you know it, it's um, so um so so basically um in the end, uh, they're interfering too much. And in the end, I basically resigned and uh, left, which was a, a pity because uh, the project is ongoing as we speak and being built. Um, but I'm very curious to see um, how much ground has been... Um, that My red lines, whether they've gone back to the um, my original... I, I'm sure they haven't. I'm sure... Uh, I'm very, very interested spectators to see how it, how it plays out. If, if it goes well, then I can go and visit and, and go, well, that was my idea. And, and if it, if it's bad, I can go and visit and go, well, I told you so. So um, either way, either way, I'm, I'm I'm happy with my contribution there. So um, I was there for 12 years. I left on good terms. We just agreed to disagree. They tried to get me to stay, but um, I had my red lines and, and um, the people how I was... Um, playing with or negotiating with, they had their red lines too. And, and uh, so that was, that was that basically. So I, I left and, um, and then I had various different options in terms of uh, work, some interesting offers actually. And uh, so in the beginning, I, I just decided to go on my own and, and just do some uh, consultancy work, going around different places, doing some work uh, for UEFA, for, for some soccer teams in Europe. And then one of my main clients... Um, AS Monaco, uh, we're building a brand new performance center, which is where I am right now, and um, so they wanted they wanted me to run the project for that. So I'm um, kind of like exclusively uh, working for them at the moment, and and they the ownership has a second team in in, in Bruges in Belgium, so I I go there sometimes as well. So currently, I'm, I'm basically just piecing together a brand new training facility, which is, is really quite a cool training facility. It's on top of a mountain. Um, it's around 2,000 feet above sea level with uh, views of the sea. I, I can like, virtually jump into the sea from, uh, from the pitch. It's, it's that far like, deep down, but it's not far away. Um, it's quite unique. It's got massive shade problems because it's got a big cliff face uh, running down the one side, which is around... I don't know, around 150 feet high, something like that. So it's like a stadium running down on one side of the field. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm currently doing and um, enjoying it. The, the project is, is nearly done. Um, at the same time, I'm training all the staff and, and implementing new uh, protocols for the different jobs. Um, my family is still in Madrid, so I'm heading backwards and forwards all the time. I think I've done... 51 flights this year already so uh yeah but they're, they're only they're only short flights only god bless
0: it. you god bless you that's a wow <laughs> yeah, i'm not a so, big uh, plane guy so it's like i'm a i'm a one flight a year kind of guy <laughs>
1: yeah I, I mean it's only it's only like a two-hour flight it's yeah, not the end of the world for sure. uh, I, I get to go in uh, through fast track and the lounge and stuff so It's not too bad, and life and stuff, and sometimes it has its plus points, but then sometimes uh, not so much, you know. So, so, um, so that's me today, basically, and um, um, enjoying what I'm doing. It's it's kind of twelve years at Madrid is a really high pressure place. A lot, it's just pressure, pressure, pressure. A lot of people, a lot of uh, budgets to deal with, a lot of high expectations. So um, after. 12 years of that, having a little bit of, um, I won't say time out, but um, doing a job which is a bit more normal for a bit. Um, it works fine for me for now. It won't, it won't be forever at some point in the next year or so. or when I, There's no timeline. I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And uh, when, when the right thing when the right projects um, shows itself and it's something that um, excites me, I, I will, I will, I will go for it or discuss it and see where, see what happens.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, honestly, in, in my eyes, one of the brightest minds in all of the turf industry, when you talk about your project at Real Madrid, I, I remember watching the video and just sort of like the overall like design. And I'm like, that's the future you know that's that's how you solve all of your problems when it comes to again, especially here in the u s with artificial turf and everything, being able to control everything like you said, being like God, nobody gets to be mother nature you know that's kind of like <laughs> that's kind of like the end all be all for every sports field manager It's like I would love to control what happens to my field um
1: that that, that is the key word the word control and and my biggest fear with the project. Is- was that control was being lost and uh, if you lose the control it's the biggest white elephant the planet yeah. has ever seen and um so we'll see we'll see what happens with it but um like um, i hope for their sake it doesn't because the there's a the business plan is uh they're expecting three about 300 million per year revenue. yeah year, <laughs> the 125 they've already laid out so um there is going to be pressure for that to be delivered but we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes
0: no hundred percent it's just incredible that you, I mean you came up with it I mean it's the fact that again your experience uh, being at Arsenal being able to have that sort of design uh, say you know being able to understand sort of the climate that you're creating and all those different things what is it for you during that time that sort of gave you these ideas and what experience may have influenced, like the understanding of having proper airflow and understanding the shade issues like now at Monaco, like understanding, okay, this is what we have to do in order to have a proper pitch for, again, say a premier league and like the highest of all high levels of football, you know, Um, what has it been like for you sort of coming up with these designs and understanding at the highest level, creating those environments where they can thrive?
1: Yeah well I mean when it, at Real Madrid it was it was always about trying to be one step ahead and and Real Madrid wants to be the best at whatever it does and it, it doesn't matter if it's uh selling burgers or if it's uh playing soccer or or marketing or the biggest income they want to be number one at what, everything they do and and um uh, and obviously they were doing a big uh, new development on the stadium the 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 stadium's been there since 1948, so they couldn't touch the foundations. So the pitch couldn't slide out. And there wasn't space outside anyway. So there's only there was only two options. The pitch went down or it went up. Up wasn't a, an option because of this the structure wouldn't allow it. Going down um, also was uh, restricted because there was um, there's a basically a train a train tunnel which runs two feet underneath the field, down the middle of the field. So it all had to go underground to one side and um so basically, when I when I had um, the concepts, I then when spoke with a company that basically builds underground metro stations, because uh, that's basically what it is—it's a big giant box underground—and on, on um, so it's all it's all about partnering with the right people and the and the right companies and and but sometimes I think in the industry we. We, we we talk it up and we overcomplicate things and in some ways it's good because it means we can maybe demand more more money and, and, and bigger salaries, et cetera. But but at the end of the day, like uh we just need to keep things pretty simple. like when I'm when I'm managing grass, I just treat it like a like a human. It needs it needs food, it needs water, it needs rest, uh, it needs air, um, it needs its haircut sometimes. Um and and if if I'm tired, chances are the pitch is tired as well because it's either had too much uh, soccer on it or too many activity because it means I'm tired because I've been maintaining it. Or, uh, you know, it's too hot. Like today, it's very, very hot here. So if I'm hot, the pitch is hot, it's humid, and I'm sweaty, the pitch is sweaty, which means probably a risk of disease. Um, so, you know, the, I think sometimes you've just got to try and relate to the grass like it's um, your brother or your friend. You know, you're like, um, and just, just um, if, you, if, you, if you look at it from a human perspective, I, I think you don't go too far wrong. And I, I think uh, sometimes people overthink things.
0: And I couldn't agree with you more. My uh, former boss uh, up in, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was like, you can't overthink grass, otherwise it'll bite you in the ass, you know? <laughs> um, which... I mean, it's so true when you look at it, when when you experience again, being a sports field manager, you're like, wow, I could have done that way differently, you know, but uh, <laughs> um, something that I, I I love about, again, pitch managers in Europe is you guys always have sort of an environmental sense behind everything that you do. What has it been like for you to be a leader in the sort of arena of pitch management when it comes to the environmental standards and just overall having that influence on the industry again don't get mad at me people in the United States I'm here too but you guys are way ahead of the United States when it comes to the care the understanding of the importance of the pitch like you were saying with the project like the it, you give an inch and there's a way that the pitch might have issues moving forward but owners players everyone in europe understands that the pitch is the number one most important aspect of the game because again of the player safety and all of that what has it been like for you to sort of be the ambassador for all those things again sort of creating that standard in the U- uFO i'm sorry if i said that wrong <laughs>
1: um i mean i mean in terms of environmental side of things um I mean, we're doing a lot of good, but we're also doing a lot of bad as well. I mean, I mean when, I was at, when I was at Real Madrid um, and we, we spoke about me taking over the environmental policy, um, it was a, absolutely, absolutely a, a great decision by the club because although I was do, doing lots of good things um, for the environment with, with the way we're using fungicides, pesticides, and we're trying to use electric machines rather than, than uh, petrol and, and diesel machines... We were also, we had the biggest carbon footprint because uh, we had undersold heating systems and grow lights. Um, So I was spending half a million dollars on on electric. Uh, So by no means are we uh, angels uh, at all. I mean, um, the the pitch, um, probably one of my biggest successes in my career was when I was at Arsenal Football Club um, they, they used to be really quite hard with the, with the money in the early days that I was there and then um, I tried to basically in, in soccer I, I'm, most of your listeners will know but um, there's 11, 11, football, 11 soccer players in, in, a, in a team and when, um, when I was asking money, money to, for the grass they'd be like you want $40,000 for grass? Why do you want $40,000 for grass? But Because everyone's got a garden, everyone's got grass, and they spend $4 a year on it. So they, they, didn't, they didn't get it. So what I did was I, I got the club bit by bit to change their, their mentality and their mindset, and I got the club to see the pitch as the 12th player. So when a player is earning $200,000 a week, um, all of a sudden, when I want $40,000 for something, he's like, well, that, that player is really cheap. Uh, he's the cheapest player in the team. And, and, and so trying to, trying to associate um, the grass with the team was, was a key to getting investment for the grow lights, for example, which back in, back in 2004, I think it was, he spent half a million, no, three quarters of a million dollars on grow lights, which is, Something no one on this planet had ever done before, and 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 that year we we re- received a trophy for the best pitch in the Premier League. So to have the best pitch in the Premier League, and then say, hey, we want three quarters of a million for something that no one's ever done before, was a bit of a hard sell. Um, but when you change the mentality and explain to them what you're trying to do, um, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of groundsmen, even won't don't know all the the backstory of all these things, but. And I guess this is uh, things like this are great to to get get this information out there but but um you know all these things have a beginning and a, and an end and and um so it's not a case of oh yeah how much money do you want you can have it no problem at all and y- you get it because you, you you take people on a journey and and you uh, you explain what it's going to cost and 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 what what what's the value for the for the team and for the club and and one thing we are a little bit more fortunate about maybe in, in Europe than in the US are two things, actually. One is uh, our main sport is soccer and the ball rolls on the ground. So the, the, the surface interaction is far greater than, say, with American football, for example, which is your big... Obviously, you've got soccer, but, but your, your, your cash cow is uh, American football, I guess, and... and Obviously, from a traction and and a stability side of things, the grass is important. But maybe from a smoothness and I, I think that the, the demands on the grass are a little bit more for soccer in terms of um, its performance. Um, we have exactly the same biomechanic challenges as American football, or maybe American football has a little bit more because they are bigger and heavier. And uh, but in terms of the the playing of the of the sport, there is there is demands where the ball is in contact with the ground, and um, so from that instance, the pitch has a bit maybe a bit more importance. And then the other difference in Europe compared to to the US, again the NFL only being the only one that doesn't comply with it, is is um, we play winter sports in the winter and summer sports in the summer, just like just like in the US, but. Winter sports are outdoor sports. We play football, soccer, and we play rugby. Where in the US you play outside in the summer, except for the NFL, and you play inside in the winter, being basketball and, and um, ice hockey. So, so what does that mean? That that basically means that we have two distinct seasons. We have we have the sports season, which runs September through till August through till May. And then we have the concert season uh, through the summer. The big difference for the soccer guys, for example, in in the US, is they don't have the two distinct seasons. They have soccer, concert, soccer, concert, soccer, concert. So um, um, the NFL is a little bit closer to the model of of Europe. But the other sports, it's more difficult. Uh, Baseball, for example. Um, And then another reason that the pitches are the standards are pretty high in Europe is at the end of the season, uh, we have time to do a proper renovation where we we pass with the field top maker, the coral top maker, remove the grass, and then we reseed. And then we have five, six, seven weeks to to grow the surface in. In the MLS, for example, your season finishes in, in November, December, trying to grow uh, grass in Kentucky in, in, uh, in December is not, not very easy. Um, So so the, the, there's there's different challenges, and, and um, thankfully, by playing outdoors when we should be indoors, it allows us to do proper uh, end of season renovations, and, and that's key. So we don't really have a big culture for um, changing sod in Europe. It's starting to become a little bit more common now, uh, but in the past, um, where in the US, you, you'll have many events change the sod. So. So the, the field kind of like has a bit more of a kind of, I don't know, feels a bit more part of the stadium because it's been there for, for years. You know, maybe a classic ballpark where maybe a, a Wrigley Field or something like that or, or Boston or something. I, I don't know where, where the field's been there maybe for a long time. And, um, but uh, in many places, it's just, uh, just a business and you use it and when it's broken, you just throw it away. And, and maybe when when people see the the grass only has a short shelf life, of three, four, five months, it's harder to fall in love with it than say if it's something that's there for ten years. So I think there's some of the some of the differences between Europe and um, and the US, and and also one of the big difference probably is soccer in Europe is such a cash cow that they can afford for stadiums to sit empty. For weeks on end, where in the US, you guys really, really hammer the stadiums in terms of anything you can, anything you can, uh, any money. I mean, I'm good friends with Sean at the Galaxy, and um, and you know he has so many different events on there, and, and ten uh, events,
0: ten events a day, all over the place. Yeah, it's just corporate, it's just, uh, other games. Yeah, I yeah, agree.
1: and it's, it's just it's just a business. It's just a business, and and so. So uh, it's maybe quality goes down. It's more about quantity, and it's just um, it's different challenges. In in maybe in, in the top end in Europe, we've got we've got a better chance of trying to get perfection because because we're given we're given the more opportunity to, to do that. Where in the US, I can't think of any venue really in the US where where you get proper windows to maybe in Green Bay. I think maybe he has um It's a tough climate, but he has more opportunities maybe to to um, have the field in, in good condition. And Alan in Green Green Bay does a great job. um But uh, a lot of the places it's just multi use, and and um, and obviously American football is very hard on the grass as well.
0: I love how you explain sort of changing the perspective on again non sports field managers and the whole idea of. The 12th player you know because it's it's something that i feel like a lot of people in the world don't really understand how critical it is and how much it does play a role um i remember talking to my boss in the past uh mlb groundskeepers account for five wins a season or something like that like understanding like the the role that the sports field managers play and the way that you change the sort of the thought process uh, with Arsenal and being able to put the grow lights in and seeing how that's become the industry standard, you know, that's incredible to see. Uh, even Alan up in green Bay uses the grow lights and everything. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's awesome to understand that you've been able to create sort of that uh, understanding of non sports field managers and pitch managers, you know, but,
1: uh, but I, I speak to some grounds managers in, in Europe and, and, um, some of them think oh it's, i could do a miles better job in the us and, and all. but <laughs> they, they don't they don't understand they don't understand the the um i'd say the different challenges and i i been very fortunate to have been to the us many many times and um i said i've got many good friends at loads of uh, venues around the states probably in every state i know somebody yeah and uh i visited many many people and and um uh, so i i know the challenges and and well challenges with the weather the transition grasses the how they want to um get so much value out of the surfaces so, so um everywhere's got its own its own issues going on and and uh, and then just going back to sustainability uh I, I obviously went a bit off, off track with that <laughs> um the, the european union is pretty pretty tough on um um on banning various chemicals and pesticides and stuff like that, so we're we're quite far ahead, I think, of the US on that side of things. I mean, we, we drive like little Mickey Mouse cars, where right? you you've got them big cars with big big wheels taller than me, and and, uh, and um, we're, we're like. Um, your gas is like 10 times cheaper than ours, Even now, by the way, even I now. Say, I don't uh, even
0: want to know how much it is for you guys because uh, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I, to honestly, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't even walk. I just press the button. And, and, uh, but, um, t-
0: take my money. Take
1: my money. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but I, mean, I mean, you're talking $150 to fill a car. Up. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, see, I see on Twitter, I, I see a few Americans whinging. I'm thinking, you guys you have great, no you. idea. <laughs> I hear you. So, yeah, that's good. But so, yeah, so I think Europe is a little bit ahead of, of um, the rest of the world in terms of uh, like the sustainability side of things. But it's coming, it's coming. And and uh, you can see the world's pushing that way. Uh, I know there's more resistance in some places than others. But um, uh, I've actually got a Tesla car. I drive a Tesla. Hey. Like, I have a Tesla car in Madrid. So, Very uh, nice um you know electric cars are going more the norm and, and um toro and, and john deere and, and all the companies are trying to produce more electric machines and in fact i've just bought a, an e-flex from toro as well um like a, so um, which is a great machine and and uh, in fact every all our grass cutting here at as monaco is electric every single machine we do for grass cutting is electric so um which is not many sites that can uh, say that. So, um, so, yeah, no, it's coming. It's coming. And, and you, can either, you can either embrace it or you can um, be the last to adapt. And, and things like um, fungicides, for example, um, I can still buy some fungicides now, but I, I've been fungicide-free for uh, four or five years. I've kept a couple of bottles in the cupboard just in case – of uh, a tsunami, should
0: we case say? Of the heat uh, wave that's going on right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, but but um, and the reason I've done that is because i I wanted to, I want to stay ahead of the game because at, at one point at some point, uh, they will get banned, and when they do, I'm already eight years ahead of um of the next person, and and um, I remember I used to have uh, when I was at Real Madrid. I, by the end of my time in Real Madrid, I, I just became a glorified tour guide because I, I was just basically. Receiving visitors from various places around the world, from golf courses, soccer clubs, and and um, my staff would always tell say to me, "Why why do you give them all our secrets?" Uh, this is what used to say, and I'm like, "Well, if they're doing what I'm doing now, then they ain't doing what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. So, so uh, they can they can they can do that. So you the know, new I'll secrets
0: always... are coming in, right? <laughs> like,
1: uh, exactly, exactly. So so it's got to you've got to move ahead and I know a lot of a lot of groundskeepers and and greenkeepers um keep diaries about about their their work, and I've never done that, and uh, I've got nothing against people who do, but the way, the way I look at it what what I had for breakfast twelve months ago and what what I did to the pitch I don't see any relevance whatsoever in today and 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 um I think all it does is hold you back if anything and, and uh, obviously in, in your mind you can cast your, sometimes I go to myself how was the pitch last July but I've got enough memory to remember what it was like last July yeah? so uh, I've never really been into doing things like that but I've obviously I've got nothing against people who do it but I've always tried to be uh, progressive and, and uh, forward thinking rather than, than, uh, than uh, thinking about the past
0: Absolutely um, something that I've seen that's very unique about your career and what you've done, um, is sort of your involvement sort of here in the States with the SFMA and, uh, taking part in the certified sports field management exam and becoming a certified sports field manager. Um, what has sort of been that, uh, draw to again, being such a big part, I mean, coming to all the conferences and everything that you do here <laughs> in the States, um, which we've seen more and more. Uh, I saw John Ludwig this year in Savannah and different guys coming across. Um, what was sort of your thought process and how you've created? I mean, you've, like you said, you know so many people here in the States. Um, what has that been like for you? And just sort of what does it mean to, for you to be a certified sports field manager? Again, being someone who is such a great pedigree when it comes to European uh, football, you know, when it comes to pitch management.
1: But basically, I've been going to go the STMAs. My first one I went to was uh, Long Beach, which I think was in 2010, maybe, or not, nine. Or and the first one I missed was actually Savannah uh, this year. And I was, due to, I was due to go. And then, unfortunately, there was a family bereavement, um, which meant I couldn't attend. And uh, so that's the first one I've missed in, in like, 10, 12, 14 years. And... and uh, so I was gutted to miss, and uh, I'll, I'll definitely be the one uh, uh, next January. Um, I also tend to go. To is it? Is that what you say? Go, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also tend to go to that one as well, which was um, a bit of a luxury because it meant basically I went to America, came home for five days, and then went back to America again. And um, while 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 I was at, uh, at Real Madrid, that was uh, quite okay to do. How that. How that fits with my current employment, I don't know. Uh, probably probably I'll have to choose one. And um S T M A would be my choice of the two because it's more relevant. And um yeah, I, I like the organization and um it's changed names now actually, hasn't it? It's yeah,
0: it's uh, Sports Field Management Association. Yeah. They, they wanted it to be more inclusive as their explanation for it. So
1: yeah, I'm not I'm not it's STMA to me. There so. we go. Yeah. <laughs> STMA,
0: STMA. A lot of people are still getting used to it. Too, so. a lot of people still uh, have STMA. So. yes. Yeah,
1: so, so 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 basically well, I started going like twelve, fourteen years ago and uh, made loads of friends very, very quickly and um some really good people actually. Um had some pretty good parties with, with uh, various people as well and and um and I've even been back to the states a few times on vacation, and, and hooked up with, with with these people as well. And um, a couple of them have been over to Europe as well. And um, so it's great. It's great to see. I, I always it's always nice to see how the markets do things, and and uh, I, I love soccer and, and seeing how soccer's um, building in the US. It's amazing to see what, how it's gone. And and once once you guys have the next World Cup in in twenty six, I think. Um, it will go even more again. Uh, when you had it back in '94, I don't think the US was ready for it, but uh, I think this time round you, you're going to put on a, a really, really big show and take uh, take soccer to the, the next the next level again. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just great being seeing how that develops and grows, and and uh, and then American football. Um, curious about it a little bit, and I love I love American stadiums as well. They're very different to European stadiums. Uh, So it's always nice to see that. And I work with various American companies as well, Um, like um, machinery companies. I I also use various fertilizer products from from, uh, the U.S. as well. Um, And then to challenge myself, um, I saw the chance to do the, the, um, um, what do you call it, the CSFM. And, and um, so I did that, and um, I think I was the first European to do it, actually. Um, it wasn't easy, by any means, because uh, there's quite a lot of things that are not very relevant to what I'm doing in Europe, and in terms of associations and bodies, and some of your diseases are different, and baseball measurements and stuff like that are, are a bit, bit of a... Uh, so it took a couple of attempts to, to do it, to be honest with you. But um, in the end, I was able to uh, stumble over the... Uh, the uh, the minimum line <laughs> and uh, so i got that and then and then also they launched the um the environmental uh, facility uh thing and and it, it came around similar time to when i was um while well, doing quite a bit of work at real madrid so i thought it was a perfect opportunity to to put the two things together so that's why that's why i did that and um i've always had a, an ambition uh one day to, to go and work in the u.s as well so obviously having that connection as well it, it can only be a, a good thing as well whether that will ever happen i don't know but, but um um you guys don't particularly need me you've got you've got plenty of competent people um in all the top top venues so uh i think uh me going there to work is probably uh more of a a dream rather than a, than a reality. But uh, if not, I will still come by on my vacations and, uh, and for one or two conferences a year and, and I have loads of chicken wings and drink loads of uh, yingling, <laughs> yingling beer. <laughs> that's my favorite beer, Yingling.
0: Ah, but, it's, a, uh, it's a good one. Yeah,
1: that's why I like the East Coast because you can get Yingling. On the West Coast, you can't get it. So yeah. um, you can also get it, Yingling, um, in the... I've got a friend who works in the um, CIA and he's based in Madrid, in the embassy in Madrid, Damn. and they've got a little supermarket inside the embassy that stocks Yingling.
0: Uh, you're so like, I need so you to bring me some of I that. Can't stuff. Get, I can't
1: get it in LA, but I can get it in Madrid.
0: So, uh, <laughs> how yeah. backward is that, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so it's all good. So, yeah, no, I'm a big, big fan of the US, and, and um I love it. I love all parts of it. I've, 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 I've driven. I once went on a road trip with uh, Simon from SGL and we uh, we flew into Houston and we drove from Houston to Austin. And then from Austin, we went straight through the middle of the country, right up to see Allen in Green Bay. And, uh, wow. We straight through the middle. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a it was
0: long good. trip. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was good. It was good. And uh, quite a few uh, late nights as well. And, and um, had some good times, actually. We went and saw uh, the guys in... Um, Where did we go? Went to Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, Went to... um, Travis. Well, everywhere. We went everywhere. Um, So, no, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. And um, and then, obviously, we're in Chicago and and, uh, Wisconsin. Is that right? I can't even say it. Windy Uh, City? uh, uh, Milwaukee and and, uh, we went to Whistling Straits as well the golf course very nice Um, yeah it's a pretty cool trip so I've been all over the states I I reckon I've done three quarters of the states I would say
0: you've Um, done more than me
1: (laughs) uh, so yeah I want to go to Alaska that's that's on my uh, to-do list
0: Um, it's gorgeous up there from what I've heard yeah Cool. Yeah, for sure
1: so So, so my connections with US will always be there uh, whether it be uh, on a part-time basis or a full-time basis uh yeah. we will
0: say you're always welcome you, know? <laughs> you say there's <laughs> plenty you. of people that are I, at I the mean, top i mean we would be co- honored to have you because you know? of
1: covid because of covid this is probably my longest stint um that i've not been to the us i mean I, normally i was going like four or five times per year because also with real madrid uh like they're there in in los angeles right now and um I, I used to go and do the pre-visit, checking out the training facilities and then go out with the team. Then I'd be at the two trade shows, um, sometimes get out for something else as well. So uh, then go on vacation. So I'd be out there five, six times per year. And um, so to, to not go now for, it must be, the last time I was there was San Diego for the, for the golf shop. Um, not the one just gone now, the, the last two one times, before,
0: yeah. Three you know, years before ago. Before COVID,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So three years ago, I think it was. So um, I need to get back. I definitely need to get back. So um, it probably won't be until January now because uh, my schedule is pretty pretty. Salt
0: full Lake. Salt Lake. Is that
1: where it's Salt Lake? Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. yeah. We're pre- I'm presenting with a friend of mine. Uh, is that what's garden. that like? Is that good? What Salt Lake? Salt or Lake? Pre- yeah. uh yeah. So it's uh it's a colder city, a uh, colder yeah. location, but uh, it is gorgeous. You know, there's so much to do around the city. Uh, if you like skiing and whatnot, maybe make a plan to do that.
1: That's uh that's not yingling territory, is it? Uh so there should
0: like, be. It's since it's colder and it's not all the way in out the the no? Yeah, we'll find some yingling, I promise. We'll uh, if, if it's, it's not in the bar we'll get you we'll get you a twenty four pack of yingling.
1: <laughs> if not it's a i
0: have to have a layover in Miami or something on the, on the way through or, or, or <laughs> like a good, Miami's a good place <laughs> to stop. Right. They're, they're building the new, uh, facility down there. I believe I think they finished. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So yeah. That looks yeah it, was it looks great. It looks great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we wrap up with these last two questions cause I'm always interested to see, and you being again, uh, icon in the industry and what you've completed and what you've done in your career. um, if there was one thing that you wish you knew and it's not to make anything like better or easier if there was one thing you wish you knew when you first started in sp- uh, pitch management what would that be and why?
1: So, so say again this is one thing I
0: One thing that you wish you knew when you first started and it's not to make anything easier or better even change anything but something that you wish you knew when you started off in this industry. Cool.
1: Could give me a bit of warning on that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't know, really.
0: Um, Could be, like, about the job, understanding the constraints.
1: One, one, uh, the assistant training coach of um, uh, when I was at Arsenal Football Club, he, he always used to say to me, um, whenever there's a problem, he, he used to say to me... Um, well, there's no such thing as problems, only solutions. And um, that's a nice bit of advice. And um, maybe I would have liked to have had that earlier on in my career. Because, uh, you know, rather than get bogged down with, like, problems, you're like, no, it's not a problem. I, I, I solved this, you know. And, and, uh, but I don't know, really.
0: Um, that was perfect. I mean, That that's it, awesome. You've got, be,
1: you've got me on that one. you got No, question. but
0: like that. That's that's honestly like I when it comes, especially like now in today's day and age, coming out. Hopefully, coming out. Don't really cancel me. I know it's still a thing, but coming out of COVID, like there are so many new variables that you don't anticipate and things that you mm-hmm. can't control. You know that you have to face them head on and just find the solution. You know, there's yeah. I think
1: I think one bit of advice I would give is just and um, don't overcomplicate things i, I mean pe- people can like like talk like really complicated as so you don't understand the word but it is it's not rocket science it it's um a lot of it's common sense a lot of it's um like i say treat treat it a bit like you treat yourself and like a human being and 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 um common sense and and just doing what you think's right and and also when you, when you think you do something right, stick with it, go for it. Because when you have indecision, that's when you start to make mistakes. You know, I, th- I think sometimes you've got to go with your gut feeling sometimes, and and, um, and and yeah, and and that's a bit of advice, I give. But like in terms of. Um, I can't. I haven't we really answered your question? But I can You answer.
0: answered my next question. My next question was: What, what words of advice would you give kids? Uh, oh, there you go. There you like go. Like my, gr- so, uh, yeah. So,
1: yeah. My advice would be to to speak to people, listen to people, um, and take on board lots of information. Digest it at your own pace, how you want to do it, and and um, and also, you know. People, a lot of times, people talk um, or technical jargon and, and all of that, just to make themselves look a bit more uh, intelligent and and, <laughs> and, and uh, more important than, than you and all the rest. But they're not more important. They're not. They might be a bit more intelligent, depends on the person. But like, um, just go with your gut feeling and, and do what you think's right. And, and um, a lot of it's common sense. And and, um, and it's all about just. If you got it, if you don't believe in it yourself, how can you get someone else to believe in it? And, and uh, so, if, if you can justify your decisions, then you've got a chance of getting to other people to uh, to agree with you, whether that's seeking money, funding, uh, or whatever. And um, we're not we're not very good communicators, I don't think, in our, our industry. Um, I, th- I think uh, I think people in America are better than we are in Europe. Um, um, like, like, for example, public speaking, I, I don't do any public speaking. I'm, I'm mega scared, mega, mega scared. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, uh, I hate it. Uh, I can walk on the soccer field with 80,000 fans on in the stands and repair divots, but I, but I can't walk on a stage and say two words in front of 50 people. That, that is, <laughs> it's, it's strange. Um, so um, communication for me is quite hard. It's okay, it's okay on a... On a one to one, three, four people, or whatever. But in terms of uh, big groups, I find that very hard. And but and, um, well, for sure, we as a, as a as a sector, we don't um, we don't help ourselves. I don't think by the way we we um, you know ha- how we conduct ourselves in terms of how we, we present ourselves. Uh, and I think I think we could definitely improve. That's one thing we can as a as a group we can do better
0: absolutely i i want to thank you so much for taking time this has been phenomenal uh i always looked up to you and everything that you've done especially (laughs) with i mean the designs that you've come up with are just i mean again i think that's going to change the industry for the future hopefully over here you know there are there's a big debate with nfl like should there be artificial fields or not obviously most people most players understand it's safer but like you said it's a money-making machine and i feel like putting that investment like you said put the 120 in get 300 out the next year you know that's something that should make yeah, people's the, the, eyes go hey maybe we should try this you know
1: i mean i mean the, con- the concept's mad and and um but it's workable and um the, but the big the big fear is if, it, if it's not delivered properly then obviously it'll yeah. be the one and it'll be the first and last um but uh we'll see what happens uh um, yeah, for sure, for sure for sure if it fails or succeeds it could have a future there's no question but um we will see maybe maybe the sale will become easier or maybe the sale will become harder
0: you never know right
1: time will tell time will tell
0: Oh, I just want to say thank you again for taking the time. I will have a Yingling in you in Utah if I can't. If it's not there, I'll find one. I'll, sn- I'll okay, smuggle it that. in. We have it. We
1: have a date. We have a sounds date, good. Sure. Okay. All right, you have. Listen, a, take care. Uh, yes, best regards to everyone sure. who's listening and uh, speak soon. Okay. Yes, sir. Take care. Thank you.